Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic podcast. I'm Hayden, your American host with a passion for British royal history. On the morning of April 9th, 2021, Buckingham Palace formally announced that His Royal Highness, the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, had passed away. He passed away in his sleep while staying at Windsor Castle. Early in 2021, he was admitted into hospital as a precautionary measure and underwent a small heart procedure. He stayed in hospital and under care for a little over a month before being sent into recovery at Windsor Castle. Things looked good as he was able to attend a private Easter service at St. George's Chapel with the Queen, but that was short-lived. He was two months away from his 100th birthday. This news came as a shock to the world, not because of his age, but because of timing. Princess Anne even made the comment that no matter how much preparation you do, no matter how much you know it's going to happen, it's still a shock. While all news outlets were prepared, and have been prepared for a few years now, there was no real warning. His appearance at the Easter service signaled everything was probably okay, which we now know was just a small glimmer of hope. In addition to news outlets paying respect, various world leaders, presidents, members of the peerage, and the public, and other royals in Europe have begun to pay their respects. Here in America, on April 9th, there was a formal statement made by President Biden, and if I'm correct, the flag flew at half-mass at the White House, but just on April 9th to show respect. Across all royal residences, castles, and country homes of all kinds, flags flew at half-mass on April 9th. Big Ben rang out in honor, and there were various military gun salutes to pay homage to the late prince. Today, we honor Prince Philip and look back at his life. I have a formal obituary here that couldn't have done it better myself. Thank you to royalcentral.co.uk for posting it. He lived a life we can only imagine. Prince Philip passed away at Windsor Castle on the morning of April 9th, 2021. The Duke of Edinburgh, who has died at the age of 99, was one of the towering figures of British royal history. For over seven decades, he was at the forefront of royal life. He became the longest-serving consort in British history, just one of several royal records attained during his long life. However, it was his ability to shape an ill-defined role into his own suiting and his passion for a wide range of causes that became his legacy. His loss leaves a huge gap in the House of Windsor. The story of the man who became the longest-lived male member of the British royal family began in Greece. Philip was born on June 10th, 1921 in Corfu, the son of Prince Andrew of Greece and his wife, Princess Alice of Battenberg. He was the youngest son of the late King George I of Greece. At the time of Philip's birth, the throne belonged to Prince Andrew's brother, King Constantine I. In 1922, he was forced to abdicate 
Prince Philip's father almost lost his life but escaped, fleeing to exile with his wife, their son, and four daughters. Prince Philip managed to escape in an orange crate. The family settled in Paris. Philip's education began in France, but his childhood would be far from stable. His parents' marriage began to crumble, and in 1928, he was sent to England where he was placed under the guardianship of his grandmother, the Dowager Marchioness of Milford Haven, and attended Chetnam School. His father went on to Monte Carlo while his mother suffered serious mental illness and other problems. She was placed in an asylum and saw little of her family. Prince Philip was sent briefly to a school in Germany, but the rise of Nazism saw him brought home and packed off to Gordonston in Scotland. He suffered another huge, huge blow in 1937 when his sister, Cecil, was killed in an air crash along with her husband and their children. In 1939, Philip left Gordonston and enrolled at Dartmouth Naval College in Devon for a term before returning to Greece to be with his mother. But this family reunion was short-lived. His cousin was now King George II of Greece and asked Philip to return to Devon to continue to prepare for service with the Royal Navy as the specter of war loomed. Prince Philip saw active service during World War II and was mentioned in dispatches for his actions during the Battle of Cape Matapan. He was promoted to first lieutenant at the age of 21 and helped save HMS Wallace from a night bomber attack in 1943. As the war came to an end in August 1945, he was serving in the Pacific and was present in Tokyo Bay when the Japanese surrender was signed. Prince Philip then returned to Greece. However, his quiet time at the Petty Officers School in Wiltshire wouldn't last long. While still at Dartmouth, he met the then Princess Elizabeth. Following World War II, they began a relationship and announced their engagement in July 1947. It is said that they first met when Philip was 18 and little Princess Elizabeth was 13. While nothing happened between the two of them at that time, it was soon known that their friendship had blossomed. Prince Philip had to borrow diamonds from his mother's collection, one of her own tiaras, to be able to get a ring fit for who would then become the future queen. Born a prince of Greece and Denmark, Philip had to give up his royal titles and claims ahead of his marriage and was then known as simply Philip Mountbatten. His future father-in-law, King George VI, raised him to his royal highness days before the wedding and created him Duke of Edinburgh, Earl of Monareth, and Baron Greenwich. The marriage of Princess Elizabeth and the Duke of Edinburgh was to be a bright spot of celebration for a country still recovering from fallout of war. The ceremony took place on November 20th, 1947 at Westminster Abbey, with the newlyweds appearing on the Buckingham Palace balcony afterwards to a huge crowd shouting their praise. He became a father twice in the following three years as he and his wife welcomed a son, Prince Charles, in 1948, and then a daughter, Princess Anne, in 1950. Prince Philip took control of renovating their new home at Clarence House, but his naval career kept him overseas for some of this period. By 1951, he and Princess Elizabeth were taking on an increasing number of duties for King George VI, whose health was officially beginning to fall. Among them was an overseas tour which saw them leave London at the end of January 1952 with the king waving them goodbye. Little did they know that was the last time they would see him alive. 
On February 6th, while they were in Kenya, Philip was told his father-in-law had died. He was the one who had to break the news to his wife, informing her that not only had she lost her beloved father, but she was also now queen. As the couple arrived back in London the following day, Philip waited several moments before following his wife down the plane steps. His new role as consort, always several paces behind, had officially begun. He would sometimes complain of the imbalance that brought their relationship, noting that his children couldn't even take his name, but he quickly set about turning his position into a force for change. He took on the patronage of over 800 organizations throughout his time as consort, with a particular focus on the environment, industry, and supporting young people. In 1954, he came up with the idea of a group that would encourage young people to learn new skills and reach their full potential. The Duke of Edinburgh Awards would go on to help millions of people around the world. The Duke was then UK's international president of the World Wildlife Fund for Nature, while his passion for green issues developed and grew throughout his public life. That work continued to parallel with his role at his wife's side. The Duke of Edinburgh accompanied the Queen on a wide range of tours and state visits around the world, as well as countless duties in the United Kingdom. His public life wasn't without controversy, and he became well-known for his gaffes and his quick wit, which at times brought him very heated criticism. However, his devotion to duty was never questioned, while his forthright nature also revealed the fundamental understanding of democracy that lay at the heart of the House of Windsor, saying at one time that, quote, the monarchy exists in the interest of the people. The Duke of Edinburgh was acutely aware of the damage to the public reputation of the House of Windsor brought about by the trials and tribulations of his family's private lives. Charles and Anne had been joined by two younger brothers, Prince Andrew, born in 1960, and Prince Edward, born in 1964. By the early 1980s, a series of royal weddings and the arrival of a string of grandchildren had cemented the happy family image, but by the early 90s, that image unraveled rapidly. The divorces of the Prince of Wales, the Duke of York, and the Princess Royal within a few years of one another decreased the popularity of the institution. In 1997, the death of Diana, Princess of Wales, led to an outburst of public anger that seemed, at one point, to threaten the future of the royal family. Prince Philip, along with the Queen, made his grieving grandsons, Prince William and Prince Harry, the priority in the days and weeks following Diana's death. He would then be integral to the rebuilding of the family's image in the years that followed. By the early 21st century, focus on the long-lasting contribution of the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh increased with the Golden Jubilee of 2002 bringing platitudes for both. As they saw their grandchildren begin to marry, they took on advisory roles for the new generation while Prince Philip, like his wife, began the gradual process of passing off patronages. Prince Philip officially retired from public life in August 2017, marching off the forecourt of Buckingham Palace in the rain with a quick wave and little fuss. Buckingham Palace said he would continue to attend major events as he felt appropriate, but in reality his appearances following that were few and far between. A routine hip replacement operation in April 2018 was followed by an unexpected admission in December 2019 for what was prescribed as, quote, a pre-existing condition, although he was well enough to join the family at Sandringham for Christmas that year. 
The Norfolk estate had been his main home by then. He had spent most of his time at Wood Farm at Sandringham following his retirement. A car accident there in early 2019 resulted in a public apology from the Duke, who officially gave up his driver's license soon afterward. The last months of his life saw him living at Windsor Castle with the Queen. It was from there that he was taken to King Edward VII Hospital in February of 2021. He was later transferred to St. Bartholomew's Hospital in London, where he underwent a successful heart surgery. He returned to Windsor in March and was at home with his beloved wife when he passed away on the morning of April 9th, 2021. His death leaves a huge gap in the House of Windsor. The Queen described him as, quote, quite simply, my rock. While his influence on his children and grandchildren is extensive, he was a loved husband, father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. But more than that, he was a major figure in British public life for over 70 years. The Duke of York, in his statement, even said that he was, quote, like the grandfather of the nation. Everybody seemed to have grown up with him. His legacy encompasses many areas and his impact is wide-ranging. Philip, the prince forced into exile as a baby, became the bedrock of an ancient monarchy. His place in its history is very much undeniable. May he rest in peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When he was alive, Prince Philip was very acutely aware of the position the royal family was in in relation to the public, and he did what he thought was best to help modernize the institution. He was the one who really pushed for the coronation to be televised so the people could interact with the monarchy itself, to feel like they were a part of it. While this sparked arguments with the Queen Mother, he was later proven correct. There is a whole documentary about the coronation, Prince Philip's relationship to the Queen Mother at this time, the harsh criticism he received from the Queen Mother, which then, as I said, he was only proven right later. While it took a while since his marriage, he was able to push for change in the royal family and was successful in changing the surname of the royal family to Mountbatten Windsor and not just Windsor itself. The house name will always be Windsor, but in 1960, after an official proclamation, the royal family surname was changed to Mountbatten Windsor, and he was successful in passing his name off to his children. He was very much a forward thinker within the institution and always did what he thought was best to modernize and make the institution more relatable to the public so that people could feel that they were interacting with the royals outside of just ceremonial instances. Another point that proves this is he was one of the many voices at, that helped bring the 1969 documentary, The Royal Family, to life. So in his prime, he was very much ahead of his time. It is something to note that Prince Philip and Princess Diana did have a good relationship. 
They both knew what it was like to marry into the family and the struggles and tribulations of trying to find your role as either consort or future consort and what that supporting act to their spouse looked like. What did it mean to be this support act? Even in Andrew Morton's book, he does make note that they did have a positive relationship at the very least. It's also known that during the separation and eventual divorce of the Prince and Princess of Wales, he advocated for Diana. There are quite a few letters where he lets her know what he thinks and what he's trying to do to advocate for her. It's very easy to talk about how poorly Diana was treated in the institution, but Philip was on her side in one way or another. There's even photographic proof that shows how familiar and casual they were with one another. They may not have been best friends, but he at least had her best intentions at heart. Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip were married for over 70 years. I'd like to repeat that. Over 70 years. That is a milestone that not everybody gets to experience. When Elizabeth ascended to the throne, Philip could have very easily stayed in the Navy and kept up his naval work, but he didn't. He left that all behind because he knew what his job was. His job was to support her and be there for her, especially as she was still grieving the loss of her father. He devoted the rest of his life to working for the monarchy, working for her and supporting her, and also being the center of raising and anchoring the family. Up until he retired in 2017, it was very common to see both of them at an engagement. If you saw one, the other was somewhere around the corner. One fun story I love about Prince Philip during his lifetime was that he helped give the Romanov family their name back. In Up until the 1990s, it was unknown where the remains of the late imperial family were buried. We know they were assassinated, but we didn't know where they were. Their remains were found, and they did other identification tools at the time, such as photo identification, bone measuring, comparing with x-rays that they had at the time, because yes, the Russian Imperial family did get some of the very first x-rays, but they needed something more concrete, not only to show the science community, the Russian Orthodox Church, but everyone that they had the in fact found the russian royal family well they were able to do so through mitochondrial dna and the best match they had going through the various royal family trees was prince philip prince philip was the dna that they needed the science community approached him and he willingly gave his dna to be used in this experiment and lo and behold his experiment was able to concretely show that the remains that they found were in fact the Russian imperial family, the late Romanovs. That's one of my fun stories that I love about Prince Philip. He helped give them their identity back. Across the UK and the Commonwealth, the country has officially entered mourning and will not be done until the funeral is complete. April 9th set in motion a plan that had been ready and primed for a while. The nation will be mourning for eight days, which started the 9th. After the official formal announcements from Buckingham Palace, the News, and the Queen, the official protocol is as follows. The Queen and members of the royal family have entered into an official period of mourning. There's been a lot of speculation about what the family itself will do and how long it will be, but their mourning is different. While the country will only be in eight days of mourning, and this involves flags being flown at half-mast, programs being changed, comedic and other programming being pulled from the airwaves. 
the royal family will have a two-week period of official mourning, and this includes their households, their staff, royal residences, everything associated with them. Engagements will still happen, but that will be at the advice of the powers that be and what they deem to be appropriate. And of course, they will be in either black or other appropriate mourning attire. Royal residences that were preparing to be opened this week for tourism as England is lifting its lockdown have since been closed. Royal shops are closed. Residences have closed during this period of mourning and they have officially said that if you have bought tickets that they will either issue refunds or get in contact with you about what to do going forward but royal residences have closed and will be closed until this two-week period is up it is known that the queen will still be in mourning for her birthday in about a week per the desire of prince philip there will be no large state funeral and it instead will be a traditional small military funeral While he was quite the colorful character, he wasn't a fan of all the pageantry some of these had, so it's no shocker that he didn't want the full show and rigmarole of a state funeral. He will not be lying in state, there will be none of that. It is known that he will be laid to rest at Windsor Castle, and all funereal services will be held within. The family will have to abide by social distancing guidelines, and because of that, only 30 people can be in attendance for the funeral. The Queen has granted permission to the Prime Minister and other members of the government that they not be in attendance so that other members of the family can instead come and pay their respects. From what I've read, the Prime Minister was very much not opposed to that and understands that this is very much a family ordeal. Members of Parliament will be asked to wear black armbands. Other guidance issued by the National Association of Civic Officers includes a suggestion of canceling and rescheduling certain events, flying flags at half-mast, marking moments of silence, and having designated flower and mourning areas for the public. Around the country, flags will fly at half-mast, news reporters will be wearing all black, and other comedy and programming of any kinds has been pulled from the airwaves during this eight days of mourning, documentaries and other footage memorializing prince philip will be in circulation not only on television and in quote-unquote traditional media but across all the royal social medias they have been switched to official mourning and all posts have been about prince philip photos archival footage articles remembering him all sorts of media is now being shifted to memorializing prince philip and his various contributions throughout his lifetime The funeral is scheduled to take place on April 17th, where he will formally be laid to rest. The service is scheduled to begin at 3 p.m., which will start with a national moment of silence. Currently, the remains of the Duke of Edinburgh reside in the private chapel of Windsor Castle. On the day of the funeral, the remains will be moved to the state entrance of St. George's Chapel in a small ceremonial procession. Prince Philip has a custom Land Rover that he made that will be able to fit his coffin and that will be used in the naval processional and royal mourning of the processional itself. His coffin will be draped with his own personal royal standard in addition to flowers and his naval cap and sword. Members of the royal family, such as the Prince of Wales, the Duke of Cambridge, and the Duke of Sussex, will all follow behind the Land Rover in the processional. He will be laid to rest in the King George VI Memorial Chapel, which houses the remains of Their Majesties King George VI and Queen Elizabeth the Queen Mother, as well as Her Royal Highness the Princess Margaret, Countess of Snowdon. 
It is known that once Queen Elizabeth II passes away, her remains will join them in that chapel. As Prince Philip is not the sovereign, his death does not throw off the line of succession at all. Deaths of consorts are always treated different, especially those of a prince consort. Queen Elizabeth is still the sovereign, she is still the head of the family. From what I've researched, because of the death of Prince Philip, the Dukedom of Edinburgh has been passed down to Prince Charles. There was talk that Prince Edward and Sophie, the Earl and Countess of Wessex, will assume the dukedom, but that will not happen until the Queen passes away. Once the Queen passes away and Prince Charles assumes the throne, all his titles will subsequently revert back to the crown, and at that point, the dukedom can be bequeathed to Prince Edward and Sophie. At this point, any and all members of the family that have wished to make statements have already done so. The Queen made her official statement on April 9th, and following that, she's been in private mourning ever since. We really haven't seen her much in public. Members of the royal family have since began to gather at Windsor Castle to be together, mourn together, and say their final goodbyes. The Prince of Wales, the Princess Royal, the Duke of York, and the Earl of Wessex have all made formal statements and have talked to the public and have interacted with the public. Uh, the Countess of Wessex even went on record saying that it, he went peacefully in his sleep, it was peaceful, he wasn't in pain, and has reassured the public that it wasn't dramatic at all. It was peaceful, quiet, which is something that he would have wanted. They have all gone to be with the Queen and, of course, with the family itself. And more recently, Prince Edward, Sophie, and their daughter, Lady Louise Windsor, have been seen interacting with the public. The Duke of Cambridge made a formal statement, and he pulled out of being at the BAFTA Awards as he's president. He pulled out and was instead with family and us being the public very much understood, and he's been with the family ever since. The Duke of Sussex made his official statement too, and he is now back in the United Kingdom being with his family. Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex, will not be in attendance at the funeral because she was not medically cleared as she is heavily pregnant at this time. Royal commentators are very anxious to see Prince Harry return to the family after all the drama and scandal around the interview, but I predict that they will present a very united front, that they will do their best to keep up appearances, to the I stiff upper lip ideal ideology and be united. They are all still mourning after all. What can you do, the general public? What can you do to send your condolences and support the family as best you can? Well, if you are in England, there are places where you can leave flowers and other sentiments. Most notably, people have been leaving them at the gates of Buckingham Palace and Windsor Castle, much like when Princess Diana died. But the Queen and other members of the royal family have asked for something different. Instead of leaving flowers and other tokens, they have since asked you to donate to various charities and other causes in the name of condolence. They would rather you do that than be out in public and risk risk yourselves because, of course, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. They would rather you do that than uh, leave flowers. They also have digital signing books for the public to leave, kind words and other sentiments for the family. I, here in America, have signed the digital book, and it was wonderful to at least send condolences in some way. I do not know if the funeral will be broadcast to the public or parts of it will be broadcast to the public, but I do know spaces are being prepared to have public viewing of the funeral, so I believe that portions of it will be made available for the public to see. If you do want to spend more time getting to know Prince Philip, 
there are a lot of biographies and other books written about him, whether they are biographical or slight dramatizations. You can find those pretty much on any online book retailer. Of course, we do have depictions of him in the television show The Crown and the film The Queen. But again, take those with grains of salt as those are dramatizations and fictitious depictions of him on film. The actors who have portrayed Prince Philip, most notably Matt Smith from seasons one and two of The Crown and Tobias Menzies from seasons three and four of The Crown, have made their public statements as well, so you can find those on social media. While Prince Philip was quite a colorful character in his lifetime and made some statements that were questionable and controversial, we need to remember a few things about him and the situation. A wife lost her husband, children lost their father, and no matter what age you are, it will still hurt. And grandchildren lost their grandfather. We have a family that's grieving right now, so please be respectful and act accordingly. When referring to his grandfather, Prince William had one word to sum him up. Legend. Prince Philip was devoted to public service, supporting his wife, his family, and the monarchy, and being the rock that kept everybody steady. Here at the podcast, my condolences go out to the royal family during this time of grieving. Grieving's never fun and looks different for everyone. So understand that they are going through quite a very hard time. Rest in peace, your royal highness. Rest in peace. My sources for today's episode are royalcentral.co.uk and independent.co.uk. If you made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast today. If you would like to email me at britishroyalfanpod.com, at gmail.com to suggest topics for future episodes or let me know how I'm doing so I can better improve the show. You can do so. You can follow me on Twitter at fanatic underscore royal. There I interact with you as best I can, post updates in real time, and of course the end goal is to make the show as best I can for all of you. If you feel inclined to donate, there are links on Twitter. Head over to Google, Apple Podcast, Spotify, anchor or more to rate review subscribe and share subscriptions and those really do matter so that the so the podcast can continue to improve have a good rest of your day stay safe and stay healthy and i'll see you in the next one